How's it going there, pals? It's E-S-E. That's Eat Sleep Elite, the, you know, weekly AEW review and breakdown. I, I, I used to say official, and I was like, you know, we're not official. So, um, that being said, though, we had there, there's so much good wrestling this week, man. Like, I, I just like I feel like some weeks we get blessed, and some weeks we're just like, mm, this was a really, really good show. And we're just saying that, and we're not actually complimenting really anything that happened on the show. We're just like, oh, this was really fun. But it's not like because of like, the quality of wrestling or anything like that. This is an exception to that. I feel like, I don't know. Um, occasionally quality wrestling. Yes, because not everything has to be like a five-star match. Not that any of these were, um, especially with Meltzer's rating them. But, um, that being said, um, there was, um, a lot of really good wrestling, like dynamite opened strong, really finished strong. I mean, finished strong as hell. If you want to go there, you know? Um, but, um, you know, and, and uh, Rampage started off really hot and didn't really, you know, it kind of, we talked about this, it tailed off a little bit at the end. Uh, we'll get into all that, obviously, throughout the show. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just a really interesting week. Like, a lot of, like I said, banger matches. We had the 100th episode of Dark Elevation, which to me is a milestone. I don't give a shit if AEW cares. I care, you know. It's probably like, I'm Absolutely. guessing, if I had to guess, this has to be like the 50th or 60th episode I've reviewed. I would have to think, like. It's. Yeah, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm assuming I didn't. Well, I don't know who because we'd have to go back in the chronology and see who's actually. I mean, obviously, I've reviewed more because eventually I started reviewing all of them. But anyway, um, but that being said, yeah, there's some really good stuff. And there was even some good stuff on that Elevation show. So I'm excited to talk about that. Excited to talk about our favorites this week. But before we get into all that, if this is your first time listening to our show, this is Eat Sleep Elite. You can find us on whatever podcast form you're listening to. Um, you know, it could be Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you know, one of those other varied um, platforms that exist. Make sure you follow, subscribe, whatever the button that you click on on that platform is so you make sure you stay up to date with the podcast every week. We got some new people coming in on Spotify recently, so shout outs to y'all um and as well as on some other platforms so everyone that joins we, we appreciate you you know make sure by the way that you guys if you don't already follow us on twitter as well you can follow me at b bane duke that's b-a-n-e-d-u-k-e and you can follow charlie at oh charlie with an x instead of an a and you can also follow our podcast at eat sleep elite on twitter that being said though we got some wrestling to discuss this week brother 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 and this week i had the i have the nod so uh before i get into my favorite this week charlie how are you doing this week brother uh doing pretty good yeah we uh fully loaded week it felt like again and definitely some some storylines i'm interested in breaking down here when it uh gets to it because we're seeing some lines forming uh we are now official members of the trench appreciation society which you dubbed yes and like i, I, I don't get... fresh off the bench trench fresh off the bench cracking fucking homers so Let's jump into it. And yeah, yeah like you said, yeah. you're kicking us off. Odd Absolutely. number. What was your favorite this week? <laughs> we opened up AEW Dynamite this week. Strong, hot, and fast with John Moxley taking on Adam Hangman Page. Um, why do people say it like that, by the way? I'm, I get annoyed when I hear someone say Adam Hangman Page. I'm sorry. I don't it is I think crazy. it's Jim Ross that says it, and like, who am yeah. I to argue with Jim Ross? But like, you know, whatever. Um, anyway, um, that being said, though, uh, there was some uh, there were some people that accompanied John Moxley to the ring, namely his father. Which I don't even know if we got his first name, but Mister Moxley, if you will. And we also had Young Wheeler out there as well, and Claudio. You know, um, but 
Uh, I don't know why I go into William Prequel whenever I talk about the BCC, but whatever. Anyway, and uh, yeah, and so hanging out Adam Page, you know, you, yeah, because this feud has been so hot. As soon as the you know, as soon as they saw them each other, they basically were like, like you know, they wanted to fight. So some pre bell nonsense. But um, you're fucking at it. Yes. And uh, one thing that Mox actually did in this match that I was a little surprised by, it was kind of, which makes sense because um, that, uh, you know, the buckshot being the the key um, move that obviously the hangman uses to fit. I mean, there's the, the dead eye, but that's usually a setup for the buckshot a lot of times. Um, that being said, though, um, he went after the legs, which I thought was really cool because it one that's it that targets that move, but it kind of also set up later when the buckshot was hit. It wasn't obviously as hard as it normally is because his legs weren't underneath him fully or something. Because otherwise, the buckshot should have won, right? It's never really. I don't, I don't even know. Has anyone ever kicked out of the buckshot, Charlie? I I don't even know. But if they um, have, it's pretty fucking rare. Yeah, like if they have, it's been like CM Punk or something like that, you know. Like, but either way um that being said uh there was a little spot that mox did where i guess i should say was done on mox where they were so they're on the apron and uh he's on hangman's shoulders and instead of just like you know doing some like slam on the on the apron he literally chucked him off his shoulders onto the turnbuckle which i thought was like damn that's a a nice move because they do that move in the inside the ring but like on the apron it's just like damn there's like nothing that you're just like your legs are slamming like that's a whole thing like anyway um it's the same spot. It just felt different on the apron for some reason. I don't know why, but um, small little things like that. I don't know. Like some, see, that's one thing I always like to talk about. That's like a small thing, right? Like you could hit that face smash on the turnbuckle like a million times, and I'll be like, okay, I've seen that. Whatever. It's just a move, right? It just goes into like, okay, that was the thing that they did. But like that stood out to me because it was where it was, and you know, it was unique. But also, it's it's. I don't know. It's a, that can change how a move like feels in my head. You know what I mean? Like if that makes sense. Like it felt like it had more impact because it was in a different spot. But anyway, um, then they hit the Avalanche Death Valley Driver. They hit strange from heavy strikes right after that too, or maybe not right after, but like a sequence that happened right uh, and nearby to when that happened. Um, just basically everything in this match looked like it was designed to hurt really bad um in terms of like what they were doing to each other which fits so much with the story that they're telling here this is just purely they don't like each other john moxley did something that upset hangman page which was knocking him out cold and yeah. winning a match via knockout which even though it was an actual knockout had never really happened like that way in aw per, per se not much anyway you know so a really unique finish set up this whole thing and uh honestly not in this match i should say in that match you know so it, it makes sense that they would want to just really hammer each other and beat the absolute piss out of each other um piss missile yeah oh, jesus all right anyway um so yeah um they did a uh backdrop suplex and uh backdrop driver exchange which so one of them i think it might have been hangman hit a backdrop suplex which is just a really clean looking move but then uh mox was like mm, i'm only dealing with that and just dropped him right in his fucking head um so there's that that looked awesome um hangman got holded by that lariat i love that that lariat now is just like a in, in, like it's like the hardest hitting move in wrestling now or something like because it knocked somebody out i mean i guess you have to treat it that way now right but i think it's kind of funny the idea yeah that, no it that's very true you have to now i mean you don't have to you could just be like oh that was a one time he just clawed him in the chin or something but like you know like i like that they're treating it like that it's like now it's one of his finishers or something you know like yeah um they uh, did use some uh, extracurricular activities in this, and that by that I mean there was a table used. Uh, they had to pop a power bomb through it, uh, which was good. I mean, like I wrote it in my notch like this: they lit each other the fuck up. 
I popped like crazy when he kicked out of the buck shot. And then Monks picked up a really quick win after that. So he could act not satisfied with that. Like they wanted more. So they kept fighting after the bell. And they had to pull them apart. Um, so I think this is still going. I don't think that it's over with. I think this yeah. is be a pay-per-view match like we suggested. Um, so even though I wasn't a fan of that idea, I kind of wished it had just played out on TV and it was just something for the TV fans and for the fans in the, you know, in the arenas and stuff like that. Um, but you know, either way, I mean, I'll, I'll be fine with it because we'll get more of this really, really fun storyline. Did do you have anything you wanted to add about this match, Charlie? Hello, what have we here? I'm, I'm with you. I thought this was, this was a pay-per-view quality match. I mean, it was a caliber match going into it and it delivered very fun. The spontaneous kind of ending like that, I'm with you. It, it was a little, you know, okay, that's where we're going. I did like that they kept throwing the middle fingers up at each other after, and the crowd was kind of laughing along with it. You know, they got their time, though. About 25 minutes, give or take. I just think these guys, they're... It's, I think it's like the one and two in AEW right now, in terms of, like, the because Hangman was positioned at number one, obviously, for, like, a lot of 2021. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or, sorry, a lot of the beginning of 2022, I should say. No, 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 it would have been 2021. Yeah, yeah, I'm right, I'm right. Uh, when he had the title. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I lost my mind. Anyway, um, yeah, and so, but then he kind of fell back when CM Punk was put into the forefront or whatever, and I feel like then he should be number three, right? But then, like, Punk's kind of out of the picture now, so I think these are the one and two guys right now, which is wild because they're having a feud with each other. Yeah, and especially because, you know, since neither of them have the title now, and it's it's just, it's fitting, and I think these guys are destined to dance for a while this year, and we'll see it again at Revolution and Hopefully not too I don't, long. I don't it needs know to end at Revolution. I, I oh, gotta yeah, be definitely needs to end at Revolution. But I think, yeah, it, this was fun. I like seeing Moxley walking out with his dad as well, and Yuta was there. You risk falling into that, like, eight-month feud trap that you have between the JAS. Now, granted, that was a group-on-group feud, but I still think if it was just Jericho versus any of the individual members, it would have gone just as long, so. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, a good opener to Dynamite, and it's been a few weeks since we've done this, but jumping into my favorite here, we're bookending the shows. Uh, we're going with the Dynamite main event, and that was the fucking violent rubber match between Samoa Joe and former TNT champion Darby Allen and a no-holds-barred. These guys showed up. I mean, Darby Allen literally showed up in a fucking jacket covered in tacks. That should set the pace for what was about to happen. Um, he charges Dude, bro, Joe. The, the, thumb, the, the fucking wild shit Darby does with thumbtacks. Like, he's got some weird obsession with thumbtacks that I just, I'm, I'm all here for, but god damn, that guy is sick in the head. It, it really, he really is. And, you know, right away, Joe's pulling tables out, and Darley, uh, Darby Allen's wiping him out. Joe gets busted open. It did not look like a planned bust open either. Like, I think he got cracked with the side of the table. Yeah, so that was a little concerning. Um, but yeah, they're they're going up and down the railing. You know what I mean? They're going up into the crowd. Joe's actually, I, over. Before you go on, I do actually have to say that tope into the table face. I don't know that's how that was. I think he was supposed to hit that shit with his shoulder, dude. He hit his head straight on into that thing. I don't know. Literally, ah. I, I, I don't think a lot of things went right with that spot, but it still looked badass, and I guess that's all that matters, right? Yeah, and, I think what ultimately happened worked better for the match. It's just like, you know what? Maybe shit, it is Darby wanted though. to put his head through the table. Who knows with him? I could see him actually <laughs> wanting to like put a hole in the table, but I, I can also see him thinking, well, what if I get stuck in the table though? Then I'm dead. So maybe I'll just try and not. Yeah, die. maybe I don't need to. <laughs> uh, 
during the commercial, Joe was just beating the hell out of him. Um, eventually, Alan gets booted to the floor. They get they get back from the uh you know the railings outside and in the fans. Um, it was a really nice jawbreaker and some chops from Alan. Joe responded. He fucking launched him over the top rope onto the floor like a t-shirt you'd fling off, is what Taz described. A really nice bl- uh, brainbuster. Joe then is just tossing chairs into the ring. He hit a back suplex on the edge of them. Allen had powder. He blinded Joe to avoid a powerbomb into the code red. An over-the-top stunner from Allen. And and he tried to put back on the thumbtack hoodie. It didn't really go on like he wanted to. Uh, but he hit the coffin drop for the two. Joe, thankfully, Joe. So, yeah, I think I know what happened there. I think he tried to undo the hoodie. But because when Joe, like, took it off of him, he just kind of took it off of him. Like, he didn't really, he just barely pulled on it and it came off. I yeah. think when it folded in on itself, the tack started poking into the jacket. Is what I'm guessing happened, and he couldn't get it yeah, undone that's, like fast enough. It follows it up. Uh, Alan hits a really nice switchblade, starts ripping away at the canvas and the mat to expose the wood. Joe rolled onto the floor, fucking he suckered Alan into diving through the ropes. He missed, and he went right through the table. <laughs> it's a really fun spot. Um, then they get back in the ring. Joe power bombs Alan inside the fucking thumbtack hoodie. Wrapped it around his face. Alan's fighting back. But as he went for the coffin drop, Joe shoved the ref into the ropes to, you know, crotch Alan. Uh, Joe hit an avalanche muscle buster on the exposed wood. And Joe is the new. Yeah, Darby Allen rolls out to the ring, grabs a knife. Everyone's like, wait a minute. Hold on. This yeah. is Darby. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. So Joe is the new TNT title. Before we jump into the title and, the, and uh, get your thoughts on this, um, that wasn't it. Joe was about to celebrate, and the man himself returns. <laughs> I forgot that was our Wardlow music. He, re- he returns. Wardlow hits the ring, takes down the new champ. He's got his new hair uh, from Joe cutting it last month. He's about to hit the Powerbomb Symphony. Joe bailed. Security's trying to hold him back. He lays them all out. He looks to Powerbomb one from the ring to the floor as a show. And yeah. All right. You'd think after all this time of how many security guards that Wardlow has just chucked to the point where there was like 20 of them in one match, right? Like, yeah, you'd think they'd either A, hire better security or B, just stop sending them after Wardlow. Yeah. Well, or, or just stop sending them after the guy that just beats them all up. I mean, but, you, you probably have to get more security guards if he just beats up half of them all the time, right? Oh, definitely. But, you know, our guy returns. We covered this last week uh, or a week before. He had he actually had an injury, so that's why I wasn't on TV. But you know what? At the same time, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt him to be off for about a month. It didn't hurt. Can him. I he be was, honest with you? I felt nothing down. when he came back. It meant nothing to me. That was the least interesting thing to me in this match. Unfortunately, I felt the same. Uh, but I'm I'm hoping now he's back with Joe. Joe can really get a great match out of him, and we can take that into Revolution. If you put these two guys and Darby in the match at Revolution. You're destined to have something special because Darby's a fucking madman. Yeah, but I want Darby to win that match. You see, you can't do that because then I'm Darby cool needs Darby to win. Darby winning if he pins Joe. Okay, fine, fair enough. That would be good. But then what is the point of having Wardlow then? <sighs> yeah, Wardlow. I, Wardlow doesn't need the title again, right? So I, I, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, Wardlow barely had the title, so yeah, they kept putting him in fucking tag matches. Oh, that title reign still fucking so. As you guys know, we'll jump into Darby Allen's title reign here, and we'll kind of break it down, and I guess we'll wax Rapsonic about it for a little bit. But uh, what, did, what did you think of this main event in the uh, just brutal rubber match? 
uh yeah it was uh pretty cool seeing uh darby just kind of get to go out there and do what he does best which is have these kinds of gim- not gimmick matches because i don't even know if i would call them that with darby because he could do the kind of crazy stuff that he does without needing it to be like no holds barred right so but i do think it was appropriate for this match to for that to be what they did um that being said though i think that all, all the spots you called out they were just nuts like so much fun Darby uh, cutting the like the little like zip ties or whatever on the ring that took a little bit longer than it would have liked. But I mean, yes, you can't really practice. What are you going to do? Practice the spot? Like, no, he just has to be told how to do it. And then, you know what I mean? Like, just kind of go for it. And if shit gets stuck, it gets stuck. Yeah. I don't know if maybe they should have just pre pre done that part. And maybe, and then he just pulled the boards up. I know that would have looked really pre-planned, but I, I mean, it's better that it would look pre-planned than it looks like it takes 20 fucking seconds for him to cut each one. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Whatever. That was my only, like, thing. But, like, other than that, uh, we haven't seen the exposed, exposed boards thing much in AEW, I don't think. So, that's Not nice. Not a long time if we have. Yeah, like, it's, a, it's an interesting spot. I like that spot, and I like the wrestlers do as well. Let me rephrase that so I can actually get my words out. I think the wrestlers do as well because it actually shows the boards, which a lot of people for some reason think the ring is like a springboard. I don't know why people to this day think that, but they, there are some people that think that it doesn't hurt to take wrestling bumps. Um, anyway, um, so good to get exposed to the boards. I like that. Um, and like I said, Wardlow just did nothing for me. But other than that, it was a really, really, really great uh, close to the show. I I got done with that, and I was like, yep, I'm going to go watch Elevation now because I am hyped for wrestling this tonight. Absolutely, yeah. Our, our boy, uh, the return, it was it was something there, man. And here's what I'll say. Darby won the title in Seattle, right? He held it for four weeks. In that four weeks, he took advantage of being the champion. And I think Darby Allen fucking killed it in those four weeks. Um, now, let me toss this at you before we jump into his reign here. Okay. Do you think... Now, there's a couple ways you can look at this. Did Darby win it in Seattle just because it was a hometown kid? And they're like, you know what? This will help us extend the program with Joe. You I mean, know, give Joe you could, a couple weeks. You could weeks. say that with the history AW has. I mean, I'm pretty sure John Moxley won the title in Cincinnati. I'm pretty sure CM Punk won the title in Chicago. I'm pretty sure. Sh- were the acclaimed in Bowens' hometown, maybe? Am I, am I about don't lost my know. Uh, it was a couple weeks after Grand Slam. I don't remember. Or did they win it at Grand Slam? It was Grand Slam. They won it. Yeah. So, no, I don't, I don't know. But do you think – now, this isn't a bad way. Uh, this isn't a bad thing. I'm not trying to point this as a bad thing. Uh did they just do this pretty much to extend the feud between these two guys? And, you know, kind of it, it broke them off from touching face to face for a couple weeks. But also at the same time, it gives Darby a chance with the title reign. And it's really I'm going to go with no. This feels See, to me, if I'm going to be honest with you, as much as I liked the title reign, it feels like they have no idea what to do with the TNT title. And Wardlow being involved in this after Darby versus Joe versus uh, all the other stuff that's been going on with it. I clearly shows a lack of direction for the championship, in my opinion. See, I, I actually think the opposite with Wardlow coming back. I think now – see, I do think the Darby thing, it was a strictly four-week plan thing. I think they planned it out from the jump. They said, all right, Joe, because they want the title between Wardlow and Joe. I think that's been the plan. 
So they're like, okay, how can we extend this? Well, no, I'll t- okay, Darby's I know, I'll going tell you to exactly Seattle. why I think what I think when you get done, did your, done with your point. Yeah. You just pointed something out that made me realize why I think that. So they, they, they knew they had the show in Seattle. Darby, Swerve, and Danielson were the poster kids. They wanted to do something big with all of them. Darby, all right, here's what we're going to do. Darby, everyone kind of thinks you're already the best TNT champion we've ever had. Let's have you win this belt back. You're going to fucking play with it for a couple weeks. You're going to bring it to Japan. Four weeks later, he drops it. It might have been four or five weeks, depending on what was happening with Wardlow. Because as we know, he was he was actually hurt. So, But they knew it wasn't too serious, which we covered. So they were like, all right. And then we're going to get back to square one. Our, our plan this entire time has been for Joe turns on Wardlow. Wardlow then ends up beating Joe because our end goal here is for to get Wardlow back as hot as he was. Maybe that was their end game. Don't know about that. Uh, but now you have the opportunity to where Joe is technically a two-time champion. Wardlow's back. He just had a big return. And now the Derby thing, they, they're probably just going to move on, to be honest. They're, he, they, he's just going to move on to something else. This could give us our Darby versus Orange Cassidy fight, <laughs> for all I know. Potentially, but yeah. I think this was strictly planned. I, I think this four-week title reign, it was never meant to be more than that. And, so, and now that Joe's won it, Wardlow's returned. It that just confirms me to me that that was the plan. So the injury notwithstanding, I think because obviously that was the real reason. If we're being honest, is because Wardlow was hurt, and they need yep, to put I, it on somebody else. I guarantee else. that that spawned the idea. That was like, you know what we can do for you, Darby? Okay. So what I think is that uh, because of how Joe beat him and then cut his hair off. I think that even if they had been able to bring him back the next week, they wouldn't have. I mean, how do you do that to a guy and then bring him back and expect the crowd to like believe that? I mean, he just got completely bitched by Joe. You know what I mean? No, yeah, yep. he would have had some hype, but I don't know if I would have wanted to see that, to be honest with you. Maybe that's just my opinion, but. Yeah, so, so you're kind of thinking just even with Joe I, th- I think it supports what I was saying which is they just don't know what to do because they were like shit we kind of just fucked this up a lot by not really thinking I mean yeah Joe can win that feud and I think they just didn't want that for some reason so they felt like they wanted to go back to Wardlow or something and but they really couldn't and but it didn't really matter anyway because he was injured like I think ultimately there were a lot of factors and I think the injury just made it a way easier decision like yeah I agreed agreed so yeah let us know what uh I'm curious what everyone else thinks. Um, so, yeah, that being said, Darby Allen had a four-week title reign, and holy fuck, did he take advantage of that time. Excuse me. He wins it off Joe in Seattle. The, uh, the, the rampage, two days later, he defends it against Mike Bennett in a 12-minute match. That was pretty fun. Yep. The following week on Rampage, he defends it against Juice Robinson, which, again, pretty freaking good. Juice, Juice was loose. Juice was loose. The following week on Dynamite in Fresno, he defeats Kushida, which that was fucking awesome. And yeah. then the next week, last week, he defeats Buddy Matthews in, I think, Buddy Matthews' best single match since he's been in AEW. That was a really I would, fun I one. would agree with that. Right? And, and now this week, in my favorite of the week, and Dayton, Ohio, Joe beats him for the title. This, I, this was a fucking, I can't believe it was only four weeks, to be honest. It feels like at least six or seven, but 28 days. This was the definition of transitional champion, if we're being honest. I mean, it was a really good Oh, 1,000%. But, you know, but that's but, when people say that. This is what they mean, you know? This has to be the best transitional champion I've ever seen. 
I, 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 I know that's setting the bar really high, but I have never seen a title oh, come reign on, this Ron short. Strowman, come on. No, man, I'm telling you, I have never seen a title reign this short that I love so much. I am going to remember this title reign. I was joking about Braun, by the way. No, 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 <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just, I, truthfully, I think the plan was always there for this short little reign. And what, you know, hey, good on him, man. If I'm very curious. I hope we find that information out. You know, whether it's, eh, let's be real, with wrestling, it's probably going to be in 10 years or something. We'll find it out. But I mean, I'm, Joe's not really the type to talk about that kind of stuff. I doubt I doubt we'll ever know, to be honest with you. Um, but that being said, I think uh, I have a, a little conspiracy theory that I think some pride is hurt backstage about how bad they fizzled out Wardlow. I mean, everyone was talking about how this guy could have been the next big thing. We saw the Batista comparisons everywhere online. And... They completely fucked up that title reign. He lost all of his steam. I think there's some pride hurt. They might want to get that back. They might want to, uh, and that's a tricky path you could run down. What they ha- what happens there? Well, yeah, that's this is kind of what I was getting at, man. Right? I feel like going along that line of that conspiracy is like I don't even know if it's a conspiracy. I think I think everybody agrees that Wardlow, like from jump of his title reign, kind of got screwed because they fucked that. They completely fucked that up. Because he got, and people, and MJF can be like, oh, Wardlow can cry about it. MJF, you literally cried about people saying you couldn't say racist shit. So, all right, you know, whatever. You you literally took promo time to berate the fans about being berated by the fans. Anyway, um, that being said, <laughs> no, he did. He did. He no, yeah, did. you're not wrong. Um, oh, he was in character, so you're just being a mark. Yeah, okay. Um, character Because when, when, when I'm a wrestler, I decide to tell everybody, because, you know, MJF known to just include all the real information in his shoots and not include stuff that's relevant to the story. But that's, you know, that's clearly what MJF does anyway. Um, so that being said, I, I don't know how I got so distracted on MJF there, but um, yeah, no, I don't know, man. Like, I just feel like I agree with you. I think people are probably pissed what happened to Wardlow gets, gets overshadowed by MJF gets basically buried by the company after that. Let's be honest. They just had no interest in making him the star that everyone knew he could be. It's like, I remember sitting here with you multiple, multiple weeks in a row during that title reign being like, just let him go, Tony. And and before the title reign, when we found out this guy could talk, I, I, I think there was like a fucking shockwave across the world, the wrestling world, like, oh my God, how good is this guy going to be? And then... Well, he's oh, like the prototype oh. of the big guy. Like, of how this guy never ended up in the WWE, I will never understand. And he's a fucking good looking guy too, which is like, it adds a whole nother element to his character. That's, that's just, that's the way it is in this world. And it's just like, ah, God, I, I think there's some pride hurt. And I think like, they want to try I'm just thinking right that. now, just all the things you just listed off, we just listed off about make him an interesting big man, would be the greatest heel singles champion of all time. Because you could have him being, playing into that he's a good looking guy, that he's a massive dude, that he's won championships, that he's, the, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it, yeah, fully realized war. And the guy can go in the ring. Leads to that. That's, that's yeah. the other part too. Yeah. So it's like. Just uh, all right. Well, we'll anyway. move on from that. But uh, as you can, I, I I'm glad Wardlow came back because I we I love talking about him. It's fun. Yeah, no, um, he's a fucking he's a lightning rod for controversy when it comes to AEW because oh, a thousand percent because he just absolutely gets completely talk about getting lost in the shuffle. This guy has a championship and gets lost in the shuffle, which is not his fault. Shout out Warjo. Um, all right. That being said, uh, let's we got a little bit of news. Right, and then you're gonna take care of Dark Elevation episode one fucking hundred. 
and then I got AEW Dark. And yeah, so, okay, only a couple things of news here, but I'll save that one for the end there. Um, All right, Tony Khan. Uh, this is going to be very obvious because, unfortunately, everyone, oh, why wouldn't you? Tony Khan, talking to Kota Ibushi is, quote, something we would have to consider. So he said there, the quote goes, and this was said on Busted Open during his weekly appearance. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's a lot of great free agents in the world of pro wrestling, but certainly Kota Ibushi is a great talent. When you have a name like that, that is certainly somebody ever in the world of pro wrestling would be fortunate to have in their promotion. We really wanted to work with him in the past, so I think that this is certainly something we'd have to consider. I mean... Side note, is Tony Khan, like, the most professional business speaker in the history of wrestling? Like, he speaks in a way that is just so, like... I completely understand what he means, and I yep. don't have to think about it. Like, Yep. I, 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 I am always impressed by Tony Khan. I, you know... Um, Abushi said in an interview that, quote, he thinks he will talk with AEW, but only after opening up a wrestling school in Japan, which we know has been his plan. So, I mean, Kota Ibushi's the fucking GOAT. So, that's no surprise to anyone. I, uh, I'll say it right now. Kota Ibushi will be in AEW in 2023 when, I don't know, could be a fucking December, but he, he'll be here this year. Uh, he'll at the very least, this is something you can guarantee, probably show up on Forbidden Door even if he's not with New Japan. I would think. Even if he's not in AEW, like say they can't come to an agreement uh, for him to come in, like I think it would be stupid for them to not, after all the rumors, bring him at least in at Forbidden Door to face somebody. Like That'd be, that'd be silliness. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool. Okay, AEW has announced House Rules. It is a live event tour. The company will kick off their first house show tour in March. This is something we covered, I believe, in November or December when Jeff Jarrett kind of came on. We knew that this was uh, going to be one of their plans going forward. And yeah, uh, AW House Rules Live Event Series starting on March 18th in Troy, Ohio, which stars such as Moxley, Claudio, Britt Baker, Darby Allen, and Orange Cassidy slated to appear. I think this is this is a great sign for for AEW. If they can start consistently doing these House house Rules shows, um, it's and that's a Saturday, so I'm guessing they would do them. You do your rampage Friday, Saturday, Sunday house rules. There's no football on, right? And then let them go home Wednesday for dynamite. Kind of same idea, right? It's probably what I guess. And yeah, I'm sure they're gonna try this off. They held one prior house show called the House Always Wins back on April 10th, 2021 which was headlined by Darby Allen, successfully defending the TNT Championship against the Butcher. Sounds like a fun little match. But yeah, uh, there's some Jeff Jarrett quote talking about it. I'm sure this has been probably his main plan since he joined the company, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what they claimed what he, that's what they claimed the reason why they were bringing him into the company was because of his history. Obviously, you know, him and uh, his father, Jerry, started the impact when it was still TNA. And uh, they obviously, I, they started as a pay-per-view weekly structure, but eventually they have full structure of everything going on eventually. Um, and I'm, I think that was his job uh, a little bit of what he was doing at WWE, right? When he came back recently, am I, am I lost my mind? Maybe, maybe something like that. I, I can't remember a specific title, but that might be incorrect. I always say that keep everything that I don't have, that I don't say that I know this for a fact with a great assault, which is most things. So, you know, let's take my opinion and you know what to do with it. Piss off. Uh so Adam Cole provided us an update on some Kyle O'Reilly. He was on the Wrestling Observer Radio with uh, Meltzer. And he said, Adam talks about, he says, he's doing good. 
Kyle's doing really well. Again, he's in a situation now where he's working so hard to make sure that he gets healthy as soon as possible. Uh, as soon as he possibly can, but at the same time, making sure he doesn't rush back. Kyle was really banged up, and it got to the point where he kind of couldn't take it anymore. I'm so glad that he got fixed, and he got healthy, and he's recovering day by day. Early on in the process, I think he was really discouraged because there was so little that he was able to do. But now, as time goes on, he's starting to be able to do more and more in therapy, in rehab, and stuff like that. You see the excitement and the wheels turning on. The wheels turning of him already thinking about how he can't wait to get back. He's in good spirits, and he's got lots of people around him who love him a lot. That's good stuff to hear. Yeah, I think uh, it's nice to know that, you know, these guys are actually real-life friends, too, and it wasn't just a stable. come on, that whole group. I mean, maybe not Fish now. I would hope they cut Fish after the shit he pulled out, but, I mean, you know, other than that, I think that group of friends, including Roddy, is like a permanent fixture. I don't think they're going anywhere. Yeah, and it's nice to know that it's, yeah. So he's. I would um, like to hear Adam Cole's take on the Bobby Fish shit. Though. Adam Cole also he there was a, another little comment in here that I just kind of noticed now. He also commented on his recovery from concussion and shoulder issues during the interview. He noted that he still probably has a ways to go before he can do a thirty-five to forty-five minute match again. So it's probably going to be a little bit of you know ten-minute Adam Cole matches for a bit, but that's okay as long as we get to see I, him. I, I honestly doing all right. wondered. I so because he hasn't been wrestling, even though he kind of returned. Now nah, you could say, well, he's not really able to be back yet. Okay, fair enough. But um, it could also be that he could have a ten-minute match, but he'd rather be able to have the kind of match he normally has. You know, I I don't know. Very if I, maybe that would be a justification for not immediately coming back. Also, not rushing back because we've seen what can happen if you do that with CM Punk last year. You know, and something we uh. A last little thing here is, you know, I, I, something I wanted to mention while talking about Joe and Darby and I kind of forgot is it's really nice that Joe finally feels, again, like the superstar that he should be. Like, he genuinely feels like a star. He's a big deal. And while he was speaking to Rene Piquette on the sessions, he uh, he talked about being cut by WWE in April 2021 only to reappear in NXT two months later after being rehired by Triple H. He said, you know, there was information that was unconfirmed, but came on good authority from those directly involved. And it pretty much goes like this, because I'm sure we're going to hear we're going to hear more people talking about this as time goes on. But Joe said there was issues between the two upper echelons of management and they were playing out their war with the careers and contracts of the people underneath them. Holy shit. Um, I, it's not surprising. That's kind of what it seemed like was the, the, the so if you kind of look at like the last year of, of WWE, I haven't said this cause I didn't want to come off like a crazy person, but the way I kind of thought about it, especially with how about, about when what was like April when Vince got, uh, finally had to step down, um, whatever it was. Um, I'll say this, that in the last like year and a half of that r- rotation of WWE, when there are all those releases and we got all these people that ended up in AEW and so on and William Regal and all that. Yeah. William Regal always struck me as like a really weird guy to let go. It's it seemed like a personal attack on NXT. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because even if you had the 2.0 already going on at that point, which I think you did, um, it, it did feel like it was like a shot directly at Triple H and one of his guys. I'll be honest with you. I think that's what we saw playing out over the last year ish or however long back you have to go to really get all the events that we're talking about here. Maybe even two, three, almost years. I think there's been a struggle of power for them to try to get force Vince out. And I think like ultimately 
they knew that he was going to have to step down without choice eventually. And that they were just trying to expedite that process by putting their own people in power. And Triple H has actually been doing that for years. And we just didn't realize it. Not that paint Triple H in a bad light here. I'm saying that it would make sense if Vince just started taking out all the Triple H guys or all the people that had become loyal to Triple H. Yeah. Because he wanted to stay in power. Um, because it seemed like toward the end there it was back to like what it was in like 2005 or seven or whatever, where it was just Vince and then everybody below Vince, you know, like Very it felt true. like it was back to that again, which all the time that we reviewed the show, it always felt like it was a negotiation between Triple H and Vince, you know? Um, and that's how you got your banger matches on your random cards, like your Rollins versus, I don't know, whatever, you know, like. I couldn't think of a match, but you know what I mean? Like it, you had your random, like stupid matches that you'd get, you know, like they'd be like, Oh wow. We're getting AJ versus Nakamura. Like, you know, didn't end up being what we wanted, but it was, you know, it was still crazy that we got that match, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to think that that's what actually was happening potentially. And now, and it yet so many of them went back after the shit that they said, uh, well, no, he, he was gone. So yeah. I understand why they went back, but it's, I understand why back. they went back too. But man, it was just—it's funny to see all the people that talk so much shit. In their let, let me let me rephrase. I don't I don't like that they went back. I actually hate that to be honest with you. But I wish they would just stay at AEW because I personally still believe that AEW is the future of pro wrestling. But um, but goddamn, if I don't understand why they would feel that way if they weren't getting used properly, you know what I mean? Like I don't know. Yeah. And William Regal just seems happy to be in NXT running things. Like, and I don't know if that's what he's doing anymore. I have no idea, but I would assume he's still involved. Oh, I'm sure he's doing, he's, yeah, doing whatever he's got to do. I think, like, whatever the VP or whatever the hell he is. Uh, so, yeah, that being said, let's jump into uh, Dark Elevation, and then I'll cover Dark, and then we'll get the rest of uh, Dynamite and Rampage, then get everyone out of here with the... Uh, preview of next week which also looks pretty freaking fun yes all right aw dark elevation episode number 100 and i've been hyping this show up for several weeks so if you've been listening along you've been you've been waiting for that emmy soccer on a pole match we didn't even get emmy on the show so disappointment for everyone uh we opened up the show with a nice little 100 graphic for dark elevation i think it's probably the same one that they did for dark but whatever um either way i don't care it's at least it looks special we had Billy Starks taking on Red Velvet. There were some German suplexes for Velvet. Uh, she actually hit a German suplex on Velvet. On that, she I, she suplexed her out of her shoes, Charlie. Um, she's 18 years old, but I think she's like basically there, which is nuts to think about. Uh, Velvet picks up the win with the like spin kick thing, whatever it's called. She did the spinny kick thing. Um, spinny uh, kick. Yep. We had Athena backstage, uh, and uh, she decided to fuck with the Amante for some reason. <laughs> because <laughs> she needed a tag part <laughs> I, I thought this was clever i liked yeah, it. it was fun it was good uh i like i like diamante being involved uh, you know she's just chilling back there so hey respect we had the workhorsemen taking on silver and reynolds uh they were accompanied by uno uh we had uh, anthony hammer with green hair bring that back johnny hungy chance uh there was a really johnny nice hot... yep we had, some... we had a really nice hot tag from alex reynolds and then they hit that tag team combo meal for the win mm, the meat locker Exactly. Speaking of the meat locker, ho ho ho, we had La Faction Ingobernable, where we had Rouge with Jose El Asistante and Pero Peligroso, yeah. taking on Brian Pillman Jr. 
Um, the new barricades make Roosh into a menace. Uh, mm-hmm. Preston, uh, uh, I put it in. I put <laughs> this is what I put in my notes. Preston beats up Brother Pill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember writing that. That's awesome. Preston uh, beats up Brother Pill. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I feel like the crowd wants to like Brian Pillman Jr. I feel like they do. Oh yeah, they definitely want to. And uh, the Bulls' horn picked up the win, and then it whipped him with the extension cord after. And I was expecting Brock Anderson to make the save here. That's what I was expecting. I don't think that's what happened, though. No, I don't. At least I don't have it in my notes. Anyway, no, it was not the uh, was not the case. All right, we had Athena and Diamante, as previously set up in the one segment, taking on Sky Blue and Yukasakasaki. 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 All right. Um. My mom is literally Can sick you in dig the it, room. Sucker! All right, uh, taking on Madison Rain and, or sorry, with uh, sorry, taking with Madison Rain. I know what I'm saying. Um, I feel a little bad for Athena, like because she's if she was on weekly TV, I think she'd be able to carry Ring of Honor right now, like as a Ring of Honor wrestler. Like if she was a Ring of Honor champion on TV right now, I think they would have the whole show built around her. I'm not even kidding. Like, yeah. Um, she uh, did a little fake injury thing to to set up. Uh, I think she used the uh, the not the eclipse the, the, uh, the acclaimed. oh whatever she finished the acclaimed that we had uh, that I didn't write down how the match ended for whatever reason but I'm assuming that Athena did that, that shenanigan and then probably hit a move I don't know anyway um she might have actually did I just fucking fail to take notes I think what if I'm ugh, shit did did they lose and she left her I can't remember I, whatever I don't remember. Doesn't yeah? Is that what happened? I believe so. Yeah, I didn't write that down. My notes are terrible this week. All right. Anyway, um, my dark the the one dark elevation I should have good notes for. I don't. Great. Anyway, um, that being said, we took uh took from that match. We went straight to Top Flight versus Davari and Nice, the greatest tag team of all time. And uh, yeah. So um. I really wish Tony Nese wasn't caught in this vortex of nothingness that is uh, what Davari is doing right now. Because, again, Davari not seen as a star by anybody for some reason yeah, just is a vortex for other people. And it really sucks because he shouldn't be treated that way. He, it shouldn't be – you shouldn't have that problem with Davari. And it shouldn't be that it sucks other people like Tony Nese in who also could potentially be good if they're allowed to be. Uh, they did a flippy dippy hot tag with Dante and Top Flight are kind of like on pause right now in the temporary in the lead up to the title match. So, you know, whatever. Uh, we had a segment backstage that we both uh, really enjoyed where Yuka uh, was asked to join the Dark Order. And uh, there was a little bit of a communication error between the Dark Order and Yuka Sakazaki. Um, n- no idea whether she's joining or not. So th- take that for what it's worth. Uh, would you want to see Yuka Sakazaki in the Dark Order, Charlie? A thousand percent today and a thousand percent tomorrow. Okay, just checking, just checking. All right. Uh, we had the Outrunners, Tru- Turbo Floyd and Truth Magnum, taking on Kings of the Black Throne. Um, All rise. Exactly. Malachi's arm drag is like basically a takedown, which I think is cool. Um, and then Brody chopping to pieces. I'm pretty sure probably Malachi hit his finish in this match. I was really bad about writing down finishes this up for this one. I don't know why. And in the main event of the evening of AEW Dark Elevation episode 100, we got, I asked for something special. And you know what, Tony Khan? I gotta admit, you delivered. You gave me a Ring of Honor world title match. Now, granted, this could have just been planned like months ago that he was going to defend the title here. 
because they needed to have one this far into the rain. Maybe it had nothing to do with the fact that it was 100. But I like to think that this match wouldn't have been on here if it wasn't the 100th episode. We had Claudio Claudio Castagnoli taking on all heart Blake Christian for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Um, and I like what we slid Bobby Cruz and uh, Caprice in here for this as well. Because, um, you know, we obviously already have, um, you know, we already have Rick and Boney on, on, uh, Ele- on Elevation. So, you know, um, that being said, I've said that like nine times this review of the Elevation. Um, uh, yeah, landing on the feet off the super back body drop from Christian. That was like nuts. I don't know how he landed on his feet there. This man is like a wizard. Um, he sold really well in this match, actually, which is something that I knew he could do because I've watched his matches, obviously. But like, it's just really nice to see a, like a showcase like this. Yeah, uh, where he gets to sell really well. I will say that this commentary table was a little crowded, and Caprice got stepped on throughout the entire match. Um, didn't really get many words in there unless Ian like threw directly to him. Sorry about that, Caprice. You deserve better. Um. Yeah, this was a main event worth having on the show, I think. He had the Ricola bomb and the big swing for a big W on the big elevation 100. Charlie, Dark yeah, 181. And, and Len, I want to say oh, this ahead. about elevation. Uh, there was so many good enhancement talents here. And what I mean by that, of course, is just, you know, our, our, our talent that isn't signed to AEW. And, you know, the, I think this is going to be one of those shows where we look back on this in maybe like two years or so, and we're like, wow, we had all these guys on the show? I mean, Blake Christian, that's an obvious one. Blake Christian, when he gets his spot, and it's going to happen, it's going to happen somewhere. It didn't happen in NXT. It might happen in ROH. It might happen in AEW. It might happen in fucking Japan. Who knows? When he gets his spot, and he turns into the star that we know he's going to be, it's going to be awesome. The Outrunners, we've been seeing them pop up everywhere. Uh, I wish I had called it on the podcast last week, but uh, I was making a joke with uh, one of our friends of the show and, and they were like, who do you think the acclaimer are going to face? And I was like, ah, it's probably going to be uh, turbo and truth. I mean, they've been kind of all over and sure enough, they wrestled on elevation again this week and they end up being the guys on dynamite or uh, yeah, dynamite. And then Yuka Sakazaki in sky blue. They're, they're already becoming stars. And then the crown jewel of them all, Billy Starks. I mean, she's now had three matches. She's 18 years old. She's been wrestling for four years already. I I think the sky is truly the limit with her. And I hope Tony, I, I, we say this about a few people, but the women, especially Billy Starks, he, he signed Willow. We got Willow locked down. That was one we kept saying for a long time. But Billy Starks, and and I know they were back this week. And we're going to talk about them a little later. The Renegades, again, I, I think now Billy Starks and the Renegades are the two that I'm just going to keep pointing to. Like, dude, pick these girls up yesterday. Yeah, dude, just start signing them like crazy. We need 873 women also. We do. I, I would love that, man. I would love if she started getting some of these reps. And just don't. Ugh, don't let her go to NXT, man. Cause Be 2014 NXT. Kill the indie scene internationally. <sighs> Yeah, but hey, the good thing is they can still wrestle indies. Um, but no, don't just like Roxy last year, who is now already an NXT Women's Champion. She was in the Rumble. Fucking don't let her, don't let Billy Starks go, just like you let her go. Because I really wish they would have signed her, and that they didn't make that happen. 
But Billy Starks is fantastic. Okay, AW Dark episode 181. 181. AR Fox and Top Flight defeat the Wingmen. I mean, this was nothing special here. AR Fox and the f- Top Flight are fucking awesome. And yeah, looking forward Bro, to the next Excalibur's week. commentary got away from him on this one. It, <laughs> it is Excalibur. Red Velvet defeated Sofia Castillo. Uh, Velvet, you know, she kind of took control here quick with a really nice deep arm drag. And then uh, Castillo hit Velvet with a stummer, but with a stunner that I really liked. And stummer? Yeah, this uh, this moves Red Velvet on to uh, facing Jade. She was next in line for the TBS championship. And then um, my, my favorite my favorite part of the show. Hell yeah. Our boy, Zach fucking Clayton. Who? The GOAT. Zach Clayton takes on the defeats Fulton, formerly of Sanity. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, Clayton pretty much had control the entire time, and he just kind of overpowered him, and he won with his uh, Brain Buster. But Fulton looked good. He, uh, man, no minute. one got the shittier end of the stick than that guy when it came to Sanity. He got hurt, and they just literally replaced him and cut him from the company. That's Sawyer Fulton? That's Sawyer Fulton, the guy oh, from shit. Sanity. I always liked him. I thought he was cool. I, I did too. He, he win. He reinvented himself a little bit in Impact, and uh, I like seeing him here. He he again, just like a lot of the guys we brought up before. He's good enhancement talent here, and yeah, that guy got fucked out of Sanity. That it was so unfortunate what happened to him. Bro, so that was such a golden age of NXT. You had Eric freaking or uh, what the fuck? Oh, I lost his last name. Oh my god, Eric Young. Eric, you had it. You had it. Eric Young. Oh, okay, Eric Young. Eric freaking Young, um, as one of the coaches in NXT, basically, dude, so many great matches in that time. Oh, Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson re- defeated Rosario Grillo and Dean Alexander. Uh, perfectly fine. I uh, this tag team, I are they officially done with the blondes? Do we know what's up with that? Is Griff Garrison still in this company? Yeah, where where is Griff Garrison? Um. I, I, I still honestly, think this he, team works. I think he's though. probably been cut, and we just haven't seen it. Probably. Um, I think uh, Armed and Dangerous still works as a team, though. So I'm I'm behind this until somebody. Oh, you know what? To... You know what? I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. I, this is why you double check yourself. And I spoke out of my ass. Uh, okay. Okay. He okay. went under the knife. We covered that in December. Oh he, yeah, he he's out surgery. with an injury. Okay, actually, that does okay. ring a bell. That makes sense. Okay. Yep. We still love Griff Garrison. I didn't mean to call. All no, no, part. no. We don't love Griff Garrison. We, we're 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 lukewarm on Griff Griff Garrison. We just want Griff Garrison to do something. We'll like, love him when he joins Order. the Dark Order. Exactly. We'll love him then. <laughs> By the way, if you could join, that's the kind of energy I really wanted with them. I just uh, think it could be a little conflicting because I feel like you have to edit her entrance a little bit because it's so high energy that I think it would I work, think that's but... what they're going to I think they're going to change the dark order and you're going to embrace that. I think they're going to embrace that shit. It's going to they got to they, they can't just keep the group what it was. Right. So we'll see. Sky Blue defeated Renee Michelle. We've seen her a few times. She looks awesome. This was a bit of a fire versus ice situation here in the red versus Hell blue. Yeah. Shane Taylor promotions. Defeated Mr. G and Dante Casanova, JD Griffey, and Shane Taylor. Getting the rep. Why does the has Dante Casanova been on Dark before or something? Why does the name ring? It just sounds familiar to me. It does sound a little familiar. Um, maybe I'm not. sure he has, right? M- maybe he was just like a one one off tag person or something. I don't know. He's been on but... AW Dark five times. Well, there you go. Defeated by Wardlow, Solo and Camarado, and Helico, Shane Taylor Promotions, and then 
another he was on again. We will see him soon. I'm not going to say who because it hasn't aired. Is it a good match at least? Interesting. You know what? Fuck it. Dalton Castle. Ooh, that Yuka should Saki. be good then. Yeah, Yuka Sakazaki defeated Avery. Bro, Avery, we've seen her a few times. I love Bro. Yuka. Bro. He's rocking Bro. grills now. Yo, that guy's losing his mind on Instagram, by the way. Who? The Bro. Riddleless? He's, he's, he's got grills in now, dude. He's, he's out there. Hey, Griddle. <laughs> uh, the workhorseman defeated uh, Adrian Alanis and Liam Gray. Those guys are always nice to have here. And then Takeshita defeated Angelico in the main event. Again, I mean, is this more? Could there have been more of a, a match made for you? Takeshita and Angelico? No, bro. This, these are my boys. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, fucking dude, great. I've been on the Angelico train for a while, but yeah, no, I I saw this match and I was like, what is the main event of the show? I don't even remember anything like, you know, normally when there's a good dark main event, either you'll say something to me or I'll see something about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'll be in the graphic. And I was just like, I don't even know what the main event of the show is. I'm kind of excited. And, and it popped up and I was like, oh, here we go. And you know what? Props to Angelico. He's normally the submission guy. He had like two submissions in this match and mostly had a regular match besides that. He held himself back so he could match to catch his style. I like that. That's pretty fun. We we like that out of our boy Angelico. Okay. AW Dynamite. Here we go. We cover the beginning. Uh, backstage, Renee Paquette is with AW Women's Champion Jamie Hayter, the Bunny Butcher and the Blade. Bunny congratulated Hayter on beating Emi Sakura next week and challenged the champ to a title eliminator match next week. Renee quickly threw it to the screen above them where Soraya and Tony Storm were beating the ever-living piss-snot-missile-fucking-heat-seeking cock-baglets out of Britt Baker as Hayter ran away to make the save. <laughs> um, yeah, so does this? do you think this puts uh, Bunny on the side of the non-AEW originals somehow? Even I wouldn't doubt I don't it. think she fits into that at all. Like, hey, I like that. Well, remember, idea. we don't we don't know who's going to be the fourth and fifth. Right, that's, now that I think about it, I could... Okay, hear me out, Charlie. We have Ruby trying to join on the Brit and 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 Jamie side, right? Well, Even though yeah. I don't think she would be considered an AEW original. If you have an AEW original like Bunny, who I'm going to say for a fact, she might have been known as Allie in TNA for a That's while. That's what I was going to say. She did have some AEW success original. elsewhere. She is an AEW original. But they might now, still run but it with she uh, could, Yeah, they could do the – it'd be like – you know, because Ruby's kind of an AEW original also, but also kind of famous for having been in the WWE – so I think if you have like the contrasting sort of like blurred lines that the two of those exist on going one way or the other, imagine that because there's plenty of people in the locker room that are women's wrestlers that have only had success, but they, but there's also them that have had success in some places, but arguably AWs where they've had more success. So they could go, this could get really interesting. I, I'm really enjoying seeing these lines being made. But yeah, uh, she, yeah, former, she two-time knockouts champion, so. She uh she's had some success and it's going to be really interesting. I still think the golden piece of that final puzzle is going to be I, I don't even know if I've mentioned this on the podcast by the way, but I it could be Diana Perazzo. I think that could be one of like the the last like quote unquote invaders. That's what I'm going to call them because it sounds fun. Like is the she invaders. technically under AEW contract? I don't, I don't think so. She should be. She should be, but I think that would be because now Chelsea Green's back to WWE. So if I could just steal two people from like Impact that are women's wrestlers, it'd be her and Jordan Grace. I'd just be joining them both. Jordan Grace is really special. Yeah, and uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, and maybe Rosemary. I like Rosemary. Fuck what everyone says. What's her name? Tasha. I'm blanking. Tasha Steels. 
Either way, she'd be really good. Bring her. You could team her up with Gear Hogan. Just too. sign all the women. Kill the indie sign scenes. What I said. Sign all the women. Kill uh, the indie scene. Okay, let's get through this acclaim segment again. Uh, the acclaim defeated the Outrunners. The match was pretty quick. Caster's rap compared him to the Beverly Brothers. I think the best moment of this entire segment was the Outrunners hitting a fucking uh, trying to scissor. That was pretty good. But the arrival mic drop quick one two ding ding ding. Um, guns came to the ring. Officially challenged for the tag team titles. Bowens hits all their lines. He asks if they deserve a shot. There's some booze. They get into a scuffle. Daddy ass says he's had enough. He says, he's pretty much walking away. He says, go ahead, beat the shit out of each other. (laughs) And then Austin hits a couple good lines here. Told his dad to leave like he used to when they were kids. And to go drown his sorrows in the bottom of a pill bottle. Um... Yeah, Billy gets Bro, back to the well, ring. I don't, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. think that was a shoot. I'm going to be honest with you. No, 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 no. He, they definitely. But, I'm but, sure that's something they've talked about in their own yeah, lives. It's something that he publicly came out about or something that they know. But like, I don't think he would pull that out just randomly on the air. The idea that they um, probably were just looking for, like, what can I say? He might have even went to his dad, like, what can I say that would like really upset you? He's like, oh, I'll tell you exactly what you could say. You know, it, it, there you go. So that's yeah. It's what we like to talk about. Like, it's it's not. Like, um, and this, you know, I don't like Cornette that much, but he does make a good point that a shoot promo, and this is something I've also heard Heyman say as well, um, that a shoot promo is not, I'm going to air all your dirty laundry, that it's taking a little bit of realism and mixing it in with this. This is something CM Punk's really brilliant at, it, mixing it in with the with the story that you're trying to tell and then letting that enhance the story and then building on that. Yeah. Uh, and that's I, the only time a shoot promo is effective. If you're just coming out there saying, "Oh, I know your third kid's not really yours," you're just not you're not getting anywhere. You're just burying your opponent. And no need to do that. But he basically says you got your title match to his kids, um, which baffled the acclaimed. Is Billy Gunn turning on the acclaimed? Is Daddy ass no this, more? I'm going to say this right now. If he does. Uh, on on the surface, I think that's a complete misfire. However, if they do it in a way that I can buy into it, which there's been plenty of things on the surface I've been like, really? I mean, if you would have told me going into this week, Darby's losing the title, on the surface, it would have been like, really? But the way they did the match, and, and now we kind of got a picture of what they're doing, I'm like, all right, that's fine, whatever. On the surface, if they do that, man, ah, I think this Billy Gunn and the Acclaim thing still has some more steam in it. I really do. I don't think that you need to do that yet. And I don't want to see the Acclaim lose their titles to the guns. I'm going to be straight up. I don't want to. Do you? Um, I mean, yeah, because the guns are probably not going to hold those titles for long, right? If they do hold them. I mean, just being honest, like, I don't know that they would have a long title reign. Like, who's going to be the big baby face team that comes in to beat them? Like, top flight maybe? But I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I, 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 yeah, we'll have to see. I mean... The only time I would have been okay with them winning the titles off the acclaimed prematurely would have been when they were potentially going to feud with FTR because then we could have gotten the four titles championship match. Yeah, like that that probably would have been fine. But yeah. I'd, uh, and the then you could just have FTR not win that match and then have them beat the, the acclaimed beat them a week later. So you're like, well, that sounds stupid. But imagine that. But you can imagine how hyped that would be going to that match. You'd be like, oh my God, the acclaimed are going to win again. I'm, I, you know what? Real quick, I'm, I'm completely delaying this. But here, Takeshita and Brian Cage... Uh, you break this one down for us. What what did you think of this? And Takeshita is probably his biggest win in his AEW career so far. 
Yeah, uh, did we uh, talk about Jungle Boy just basically dropping Hook in a promo? We should talk about You know what, Alex Marvez, he's backstage with Jack Perry, asked what's next for Jungle Hook. Perry said he's done the tag team thing before and it didn't work out. This year he'll be a champion again, a singles champion. I'm fine with that. I remember we kind of talked about... You know how you mentioned misfire? That's a misfire to me. Like, neither of them are going to do anything. I'm sorry, Jungle Boy, I love you. You're not getting booked as a single star. He's not getting booked. Okay, that's fair. It took that's him getting fair. put with Hook for him to get booked. If that doesn't tell you what you need to know right there, I'm sorry, Jungle Boy, you're viewed as a tag team wrestler by Tony Khan. How do you get up with your boss? Yeah, I, uh, I I hope you're wrong, but I think you're right. Um, yeah. I I definitely... I try not to be negative, but I just I see the writing on the wall. No, like, but you know what? They just don't view him as a big enough star. It's, uh, it sucks, I'm thinking but it's true. If he continues down his big man path, maybe he could be TNT champion off Joe. Yeah, or Wardlow, depending on what happens there. But Wardlow's a babyface, man. I fuck. That's what that that's a mixed bag. So maybe they just go the Cassidy route. Get Jungle Boy that title. Maybe that's. I'm the not route sure they that go. I want Orange Cassidy to lose that title just so that Jungle Boy can have something to do on TV to re- replicate what Orange Cassidy was told, obviously not to do anymore because he was having too many good matches in a row, and they wanted to start doing that with Darby. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's they basically weird... shelved the best title reign they had going on. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, how? When did he last? I want to say Rampage three weeks ago or two weeks ago. If Which I'm right, that's matches, awesome. Let's see. Six-person tag on Elevation, which must be tomorrow or today's show. Yeah, Dynamite 173 against Jay Lethal. How many so, weeks ago was that? January 18th. Let's see. Did so I not this it? week, not the previous week, but the week before. Nailed it. I literally said three weeks ago. I said yeah. Rampage, but Dynamite, but whatever. So, and you know. they're kind of doing a six-man thing with him. Yeah, I I, uh, I hope they get back to him wrestling a lot more. How is he not defending on the uh, championship night? Oh, maybe, he's on, just... maybe he's on Rampage. Maybe he's on Rampage. Yeah. That could be it. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, he's facing uh, Zach Clayton this week, so. He's facing Adam Cole for the Halo Championship this week. Oh, shit. Okay, okay. Yeah, the acclaimed yeah, 137 day I, I might have uh, to look at this. Uh, okay, we don't talk about AEW games on this podcast at all, but apparently they have a championship for gaming over there, and it's an actual belt. That's and, actually really cool. And they have competitions for the... And right now they're doing like a Halo tournament, and Adam Cole stepping into the stepping into the ring without Orange Cassidy. Adam Cole. But yeah, Takeshita and Brian Cage. Would you uh, would you think of this? Yeah, I didn't delay that as long as possible. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, no, great. So yeah. Um there was a sign in the crowd that said Takeshita is the future. Hard agree. Um this this man like like literally um okay, hold on, let me reread what I actually wrote here. The man deadlifted himself. To gain more time to land um, on a distracted cage. I don't even know what that sentence means. I actually, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea what I was trying to say there. Must have been something that happened in the match. <laughs> it, it's the hang time that he had. He, he, he oh, picked up that's Brian right. Cage. Wait, did the, it, was, it was a plancha. Or, I always say that, but like the, the dive out of the ring. He literally held himself up in the air. That's why I wrote it as deadlifting himself. I can't believe you figured that out from that. That's crazy. I guess that's nuts. That was the I, I was I I thought I'd written the most deranged thing of all time. I was like, what? All right. Anyway, <laughs> so that did actually happen. Yeah, on the on the like flip, not flip, but like the toss to the. There's got to be a name for that move. The flippy dippy doo da. There we go. The flippy doo da to the outside that Keshta hits. 
Um, and he literally had, because Cage was distracted, he literally held himself there. I don't even know how you do that. The man was defying gravity. Um, I hope people start to see Cage as more of a star and like the more legit because like I feel like the last four weeks of Brian Cage or maybe not like the last four weeks, the last four appearances I've seen of Brian Cage have all been phenomenal. Um, so I can't say anything more than that. Um, ooh, I liked uh, Kanosuke hitting that Liger bomb. That was nice. Um, th- th- again, like I said, like a lot of this comes down to how underrated Brian Cage is because like Kanosuke has been a pretty known quantity for a little while now. We know he's going to go out there and deliver. So it really comes down to what opponents you put him against. And I think a lot of people initially on seeing he was going to face Brian Cage would have been like, mm. but like, I don't know. I feel like I was like excited for this because I was like, yeah, he's actually really good. There were some really close near falls, um, like one on the discus lariat that was hit. Um, there was uh, some brain, ba- bleh, brain buster and elbow murder into another brain buster. Um, and then he hit a defiant knee strike for the win. Um, mm. Kanoski's just built different, man. I don't know. That he is. That he is. But, um, yeah, really good stuff. I, I do agree. I think it was his biggest win yet, which is awesome. And, uh, yeah. I Is it? I don't know. I would almost put them on, like, not that Takesh is, like, a main eventer, not that I think Brian Cage is either, but I would almost put them on, like, a similar level, like, where they're both trying yeah, to find I, their way into the main and event I think, scene. I think, but Brian Cage has a... Re- I don't know how to describe it. Brian Cage. I is guess a, Brian Cage is technically a world champion right now. Yeah, he's, he's got know. that resume, and it's just that I think Takeshita getting a big win over him, like he did, is is just such a great sign, you know. Um, but yeah. Now is this is this how we get? Uh, you know, I don't know what would it be like Kenny Abushi and uh and Takeshita versus the Embassy for the trios titles. Is this how we get this? I think so. No, 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 no. But that'd be cool. <laughs> no, but uh, that'd be pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, I, can you believe the size of Takeshita? I think he's a meat man. He's a meat man. He, you I, put him against I, the bigger guys, and you realize it. Like, I who really was it? Think... Was it Wardlow or somebody else? Like, maybe it was Joe. Somebody he faced a while back. Where he was like, I was like, oh shit, Takeshita's actually huge. It's hard to tell sometimes when they're similar sizes, you know. But he's actually a big. He's a meat man. He is a meat man. No denying that. And I think it just, it really stuck out to me. Uh, that's so unfortunate. I just got shit on. Um, but moving. <laughs> bro, you got to get your rate stats up. Sorry about that. Uh, uh, um, anyways, yeah. Six right, two. Tell me, tell me what, what killed your squad? What Man, killed it? Six two two thirty one. 231. <laughs> uh, he's just, I think this put, because, you know, a lot of times. There's that the stigma you kind of see about online about, you know, some of these Japanese guys are just they're little or, you know, you know, they're, they're not as big as some of the you're, other guys. You're, uh, you're Kentas of the world, right? And yeah. and when you have a Takeshita there and he looks the same size as Brian fucking Cage, I think it put it into in. I'd like to see some of those fucking people on the Internet say that to those Japanese wrestlers, by the way. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, a lot of them. When you when you when they measure up against someone else, you know, I, yeah, I know he's not Japanese, but I always think of when when we first saw Champa enter the ring against Sheamus like a few years back when he was in NXT, it was like, holy shit, Champa's a small dude. He doesn't look like it because he's fucking jacked, but he's probably like five nine, five ten. Whereas you see the size of Sheamus, Takeshita would look perfectly fine against Sheamus, even though AJ Styles is five eleven. 
he looks perfectly fine against Sheamus. It's just it's it's weird little things like that. But and let's be honest though, AJ is five eleven, but he wrestles like he's six two. Yeah, and Takeshita holds that weight and that size so well that it's just it's really nice. It's really nice to see. I think the deceptive thing about Takeshita is how fast he moves for that size. You just don't think of a guy that size being able to do that. Him versus Wardlow might actually be the dream match right now because of the way the way they can both move and uh, for their size. Oh my god, that match sounds awesome! Please give me that match. Please God, give me this fucking match. Um, but yeah, that's pretty sweet. Um, moving on, Renee Piquet backstage with the Jericho Appreciation Society said they didn't cheat to defeat Starks and Andrade. Come on now. Jericho said if Starks wants another match with them, he'll need to win the Garcia Guevara gauntlet. Starks must beat Angelo Parker, Matt Menard, and either Garcia or Guevara. They will let him know the last second. Jericho says they call the shots. He's ready to whip some ass. I mean, have we had a gauntlet match on AEW yet? I mean, I, I don't even know. Not since we've been covered. Maybe so, tag. No, no, there was a tag team gauntlet. But what makes me feel a little so, uh, we, uh, weird about this is how many matches there are on the next show. Um, because I, the best gauntlet match that I've ever seen was the Kofi one, and that thing went an hour. You know? And oh, he's gonna beat. He's gonna beat Menard and Parker in like two minutes each. Okay, they did that with the Kofi match, too. The longest parts of that match are the Danielson and the AJ parts, right? So, you know, I mean, like, I... Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I I hope they give it the proper amount of time, because otherwise, I don't know the point. Gauntlet matches, I feel like that's what they're entirely meant to do, is get somebody completely over, right? Like, by showing that they can last like that. Or maybe maybe he doesn't win, but he puts in a really good effort, like in the Kofi case, right? Like, yeah, I, I, uh, I hope it gets time, but it probably won't. It'll be it'll be interesting to see. The Elite are back in the gym with Don Callis and Michael Nakazawa and Kenny Omega accepts top flight and air Fox's challenge for the trio's title next week. Omega said if they want to shoot their shot, they better not miss as Nick Jackson hits a jumper. Kenneth, uh, Ethan Page, Stokely Hathaway, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy interrupt by challenging them to a match on Rampage. You know, they're searching for Stokely because he's so short. Don Callis is talking about how if he, you know, does his thing to Matt Hardy, they could sell an NFT of it. <laughs> um, but Isaiah Cassidy puts his arm around Kenneth, gives him a little, huh? Gives a little, a little moan there. Huh? <laughs> and he just, I, he does it too well. It, it was fucking hilarious. And uh, I, I love this little segment. It was like 45 seconds. It was in a fucking basketball gym, but yet it was, I was so just glad to see Kenny because I know he was having some visa issues, man. Like it was I'm, nice to see Kenny. Yes, I was hoping we wouldn't lose Kenny for like six months. Like remember how Mike Bailey was banned from the United States for a while? Like I didn't want that to happen, you know. Like speedball. But uh, yeah, that was pretty nice. And uh, okay, Brian Danielson, Timothy Thatcher. Uh, this was just. This is exactly what we thought it'd be, right? Um, this, this uh, other than Zack Sabre Jr., might be the dream match for Danielson right now because this guy is just like everything that Danielson loves and, and, and teaches, if he were to teach, I don't know if he has a wrestling school or not, but if he were to, what he would teach in wrestling is what Timothy Thatcher embodies perfectly. Just painful. well-put way of saying that. The violent catch wrestling, which 
I have not seen much many catch wrestlers in modern wrestling now that I've seen what Thatcher does. So what I did to prepare for this match was I actually went and watched from the Noah show. Uh, he took on, I, actually, I, I don't have the guy's name written down, but he had a match on the most recent Noah card, uh, the great Bye Bye to Muda or whatever. I don't know if that was the most recent Noah card, actually. The most recent Noah like big show. Yeah, uh, and I actually really enjoyed that match. It wasn't really super duper long, but um, even though I didn't know jack shit about Noah or about what Thatcher's been doing over there, I got a really good feel for what this match was going to be like. And uh, I like that they showed a little clip from that right before as well, um, because it gave people again like an idea of what he was doing. Um, just really crazy stuff though, like stomping, wrenching, bending, snapping, that kind of shit. You know, the exact kind of shit that you want to see out of this match. Absolutely, and he created a fun, a fun environment. It was a fun match, and I well put with. Uh, I think this is the kind of match he desperately wanted to have, and he looked good in it. And MJF walked out with the diamond ring, but was wiped out by Takeshita, who brawled MJF to the back. The ref recovered, and then Thatcher applies that Fujiwara armbar. Danielson gets to the ropes. The belly to belly throw connected. Danielson avoided the second attempt with a released German and a boost. What is it? Fuck. Busakai knee? Busaiko knee. Busaiko knee for the win. I always fuck it up. I have the actual spelling here, and I when I see it, I'm like, fuck. What is it again? I get in my head. Uh, but Takeshita and MJF are shown brawling backstage until finally security and agents Pat Buck and BJ Whitmer pull them apart. Renee Paquette stops them both and said Tony Khan has signed a title eliminator match next week between the two. The MJF, Takeshita, next week. We knew MJF would get some matches uh, before. He was not going to wait until fucking Revolution to get matches. That that, that was not happening. And Especially think- with how much criticism I feel like he does get for wrestling so little. Like, if he's going to wrestle little as the champion, he can't wrestle as little as, as he does normally. It's got to be at least a little bit more. At least one solid match a month. That's not asking too much. And it's, you know, we see him every week. So, yeah, I think, I think I think MJF, as much of an attraction as he considers himself, would be willing to make that sacrifice to be champion. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. It, and uh, it's going to be a fun match next week. That's going to be fun. Yeah, that should be a really good match. I hope um, Takashi doesn't just get bitched in it because I don't know. I don't like his attitude toward the guy so far. Hey, man, you can fix that by letting Takeshita win this, and then they get another match the following week. That would be great. And then Takeshita can, then he can, he, you know what? If he does that, he can bitch Takeshita in the next match. I don't care. Because <laughs> it is an eliminator, so we've seen it before, and I wouldn't mind Takeshita getting this win. You can win here, and it'll fucking set the stage for his fucking, the rest of the year for Takeshita, honestly. But then that almost feels like Danielson then has to go on to win the title, because, like, he's off his game, you know? Like, ah, maybe that's what makes him win, because he's pissed. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, it could be uh, could be pretty good here. Um, a vignette is shown from Swerve and the Mogul Affiliates talking about Dustin Rhodes and their run-in last week on Rampage. They decided to target Brian, Brian Pillman Jr. What'd you call him? Brother Pill on Rampage Bill? this week. Swerve ref, uh, referred the previous, previously unnamed member of his crew as Trench. This is the Trench Appreciation Society now. Trench comes off the bench. Trench, 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 trench. All right. Um, the trenching. God damn it. Lexi Nair, backstage is Roosh, Jose the assistant, and Perro Peligroso. And is told he's facing Danielson next week. <laughs> MJF walks in with a briefcase and says the first one is for them. Next week, he needs to rip off Danielson's arms and beat him over the head with it. 
If Rouge does that, he'll get another briefcase full of cash. If you've ever seen Barbarian, shout out ripping off someone's arm and beating him with it. Um, yeah, uh, Rouge and Danielson. I mean, dude, this is insane. <laughs> yeah, the, the series of matches, and and I'm including the Brian Cage match. It's gonna go down as one of the best series of matches in of consecutive weeks of AEW television ever. Like this reminds oh, me of when he was facing off with um Adam Page, and he did a similar thing with the Dark Order. Not every match was a banger there, but we're getting like what that should have been now. You know, it's great. Yeah. Oh, that was such good stuff. Um, I think I think at Revolution, we'll spend some time because I mean it's an hour long fucking main event match, but. I think we'll uh, spend a little time before that, and we'll I'll, I'll, we'll make a list of all the matches he made going into it, and we'll kind of that'll give us a chance to rehash this journey because it's such a fun journey. Maybe even Absolutely. on the Revolution go or the you know, that might be yeah on the, the on the go show. home to Revolution that would be or sorry yeah the like the predictions whatever you want to call that like the pre show that we do before that show yeah um, uh, that'll we actually talk be about better that there. That'll, that'll, Absolutely, well because we'll, we got, I mean this 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 is gauntlet's just so much fun. Yes. Um, Jade Cargill with Layla Gray defeated Red Velvet to retain the TBS title. Jade has had 50 matches under her belt now, and she's 50-0. and 0. Um, there wasn't a ton of, like, newsworthy stuff from this match. Uh, just the fact that she celebrated with her daughter post-match. The daughter, I thought that was a really nice moment. How about and Jade I'll, hopping over the ropes? Like a spring that, rope. That was nuts. Yeah, that was really nice. Her athletic ability, um, I was actually watching this, uh, match with someone who doesn't always keep up with the product. And they kind of said, you know, they didn't realize how big Jade is. And when you see her next to Red Velvet, it's like, yeah, she's fucking huge, man. I would really like to see her standing across from Charlotte because I've always thought of Charlotte as like, you know, Charlotte's fucking. I think she, she, she actually might be taller than her, but I. I think so, too. But. And just bigger because, I mean, Jade. Well, yeah, that's jacked. the difference. You would notice that Jade is just like wider and not in like a she's fat way, like and just muscular way. Like her, you know, like so a really jacked, muscular person. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got that. And it's almost like I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I don't watch much NBA, but there's like almost a different like kind of build to a basketball player. And she's got that. You know what I mean? So, um, which is you know, different in wrestling. Have there been like other prominent bro. former basketball players? Is she like the only one that we can think of? I can't think of anyone that was a former basketball player. Yeah, I don't even know. Probably, I'm sure there's at least a few, but probably you know, 600 like, of them in NXT right now. But right, you know, literally. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think her and Red Velvet had the chemistry I was hoping they'd have. They, they seemed no. to not trust each other on a couple of. There was just a couple of little little moves they did where I felt like ah, maybe they didn't trust each other there. No, I don't know. No, that was very I shocking. That, I think to they me were fine. I think I. I wrote I wrote like a, like a paragraph about this that in my notes that I thought kind of encapsulated this perfectly. I think Jade still has a way to go, but I don't know that she's yeah. a full-on wrestler yet. But no, I won't say that. She's a full-on wrestler at this point. I think that's yeah, she's only she's... had 50 matches. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, that being said, though, I don't know if she's like to the quality that we – she doesn't have 10 years in the business, right? She doesn't, she doesn't have all the psychology and all that stuff down yet. But I don't think that affected this match at all. I think this actually was fine. Okay. I think – I think the problem is right now, I don't think the mid card is the way to get her where she needs to be, to feel like she's in the right spot that she needs to be. And no, you she, can say what you want no, about the yeah. PBS title. It's the mid card. Um, she needs to be in this in this invaders angle. And I, I hope that's where they go. Okay. Next. She needs to be and on the AEW side. The only way you can justify her staying in the mid card is if we all just say she's a mid carder and we don't view her as a main event talent, which I don't agree with. I don't agree with that at all. No, she no. She has to be seen as the top dog. I will say she's got to be the way her being visually covered by red velvet 
I did not think that was a good move because Red Velvet just beat her. I mean, she did. Yeah, I, now I think that was. Uh, yeah, I, I we're starting to see this more and more. Uh, who was it against? Well, we they it was first time it actually felt like oh my god that was a legit like two and a half, but we're starting to see that more and more, and I think that was. That's got to be a kind of just a shout out to Red Velvet, right? Like, yeah, we'll give you this. You're losing the match, but we'll, you know. Nah, Where I they don't go like, next? I didn't like it. I like. I feel like that just confirms that mid card. That's mid card Jade right there. She can be beat by someone who okay, that's is that's not fair. considered to be a top female talent. She's not even put in matches with the other top female talent, really. You know, so like, yeah. If if they don't put Jade in this Invaders angle. I'm going to be a little disappointed. I'm actually going to be really disappointed. Charlie, I'm going to ask you this right now. What is Red Velvet's h- highest profile singles match? Is it like against like Thunder Rosa or somebody like that? Like, I I don't even know if I could name one off the top of my head of a singles match. That's what I'm think, saying. I, I'm not think saying Red Velvet, Red Velvet doesn't deserve it. Red Velvet's great, but I just think that she's just been kind of viewed as a mid-carter for a long time, you know, like weirdly, even though I don't think she is, but, you know, whatever. It's irrelevant, it, it, what I think. You know, I mean, it's not completely irrelevant. Uh, well, podcast, Red Velvet, but. to me, it's just, I guess it had to be the Statlander thing, right? Maybe, before they both got yeah, Statlander felt like the one that was probably going to honestly beat her, right? Like, I don't know if they ever intended it to go as long as it did. I mean, it might have been intended to end then, and then Jade would have been champion for this whole time, and that's oh, why the women's oh. championship. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I do not know. That's what, that's what my thought was at the time. I don't know if that's what they would have done, but they could have at least convincingly made Statlander look like the first one that could potentially beat her, and then we could have gotten to this point that I think we're at now where she might maybe lose the title to the next person she faces. Maybe. Yeah, she could. Maybe it's Tony Storm. Um, based on the invader angle. Who knows? I guess we'll see that. Uh, Positioning Jade on the good gr- the, the babyface side of that feud would be interesting. I would like I I would be interested to see how they go with that. Especially with the baddies kind of one by one abandoning her, you know? Yeah, ex- exactly. It leaves that open lane. So uh, speaking of that, Renee Paquette, she's backstage with Britt. Um, kind of following up how she's doing, you know, from her attack of Soraya and Tony Storm earlier. Ruby interrupts and asks as well, you know, saying she had nothing to do with it. She's just trying to see what's up. She's trying to make sure she's all right, which I like seeing it. I like seeing that they don't trust each other yet, but when they do, it's going to be fun. It's going to be nice. That's going to be a cool moment. Britt said she's fine. Soho walks off. Oh, I like that. I, I did well, like that. Well, if you remember, too, the first thing Ruby Soho did when she got to AEW was challenge Britt Baker for the title. Yep. So there you go. That seems like so long ago now with Britt Baker as champion. Ooh. Yeah, no, that feels like a lifetime ago now, dude. Uh, holy shit. But we've had some good title reigns between there, so. Oh, absolutely. I'd say we had the best women's title reign that we've had in that time. Like, shit. Some really fun stuff. So, okay. let's. Uh, that's the end of Dynamite, which was pretty solid this week. Let's jump into Rampage. Um, I don't think we'll spend that much time on Rampage, but uh, the face-off between Dan Housen and Satnam Singh was in the opening of the show already. Thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks with Brandon Cutler and Michael Nakazawa and Don Callis on commentary defeated Ethan Page, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy with, uh, what's his name, Stokely, for the AEW World Trios Championship. Uh, during this match, they announced that the Omega and the Bucks would take on AR Fox and Top Flight on the with, for the Trios title on Dynamite. This match was exactly what you thought it'd be. This was just a lot of fun, a lot of fast-paced. Ethan Page got in his shit. The Young Bucks got in their shit. Kenny Omega got in his shit. 
And most importantly, Isaiah Cassidy got some stuff in. Oh, yeah. I, I think Isaiah Cassidy, they had the massive angle of turning on the Hardys. And they were heels. It was big. Jeff Hardy thing happens. And they never get their pay-per-view match against the Hardys. Where I honestly think Matt was going to put them over. I, I think Matt Hardy... There's a reason he's so connected with these guys. I think when Matt Hardy leaves, he wants to hand the torch to these guys. And I, I, I genuinely think they've developed a connection that, you know, it's just, it's really nice to see this. I, I think this trio, if the elite hadn't just won the title, this could be a trio. I would like to see hold the championship for a little bit. Uh, but the trio, of course, I mean, Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy, and Mark Ken, Mark Quinn. And you know what, Ethan Page, for now, it's a fun dynamic. If they did it now and like, you know, they did a little, a little, uh, free bird rule, that'd be fine. But I really think they, didn't they say a while back, the free bird rule basically doesn't apply in AEW. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with that. Uh, we haven't seen a trio win a, a title like that. So I don't. Yeah. Cause the trio's division. And I think the I, reason I, why I, that is is because the trio's division was planned to exist. Right. I mean, I do so. think if like someone like at their peak, the dark order won the trio's title, they would be able to let anyone defend it. Which I mean, I'm fine with. I, that should just honestly, I feel like be how it works anyway. Like, I mean, I don't know why we have all these like. Like, when, like I first, when the factory eventually win it, because they're going to. Yeah. We're gonna see uh, all different sorts of three of them defend it. There'll be nights where, where even is the factory? Is there even a factory still? Like, uh, yeah, just taking uh, taking a little pause off TV. Oh, dude, the factory is gonna be on every one of those house shows. You already know it. That's going to be I'm your fine opener. with that. And by the way, the one thing we didn't even mention with those house shows, like people don't like one thing people talk about a lot. I think with AEW is there's a lot of people that are just not on TV all the time. Look, you have a place for them to wrestle now if they want to get reps in. So there's that. Hundred percent. That's that's where a hook should be wrestling every night. Someone like Hook should be getting those reps in because he's unfortunate. And that also not to spend too much time on this. That's where you let MJF do stuff too. Someone who the fans zero don't shot see. MJF is showing up to a single house show. He has to. MJF should main event them if he's champion, and he should defend the title every time. And you no. defend it against different guys. If in Ohio you defend it against Moxley, and you go to Connecticut, you defend it against fucking QT Marshall. I don't care. MJF should defend that title every single house show as the main event because the people want to see him wrestle. Um, when has that ever made MJF do anything? I know, right? No, but I really hope that they do. I, uh, you know how it is. Fucking MJF. We Isn't have it funny how MJF's attitude, the attitude with, with which we review MJF has changed with how he's changed the ways he acts recently? Like I, 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 For a long time, I just kind of put MJF in his own category because he just didn't wrestle ever, you know? Yeah. And now I put him in a different category where he's just an asshole and he should wrestle more. That's kind of where I put him now. We need to see a good match with him and Dikesha this week, and it it's I, I it's very important that it happens. Um, but yeah, BTE trigger to finish off Cassidy. Really fun action to open the show. Any other thoughts you had? I mean, uh, we kind of covered the Matt Hardy, the twist of fates. Nick Nick Jackson's cell. Oh my god! I mean, yeah, there's on. only one thing you can say to that. I mean, it, literally. Yeah. So, um. All right, there was a moment on the commentary. You're like, what? You went to the commentary out of all things in this match? Yes. There was a moment when Tony Schiavone said something to the effect of, 
um like i i don't know it's something that oh, what was it i forget so he made a comment anyway and then excalibur reversed it back at him and then tony shivani then reversed it and hit don Callis, and don Callis sold it on the commentary really i like it if you go back and listen to it there was a moment where he made a comment about i think it was about somebody in the ring i'm guessing probably about ethan page and then excalibur thought it applied to tony and you know that's a gimmick every time they can bury tony with his own shit you know what i mean like they try to so but then tony put it back on it yeah put it on don Callis, and i was just like aha it's like nah, nice nice i like it i like it uh lexi nair interviewed ricky starks who agreed to the terms of the gauntlet starks will do whatever it takes to beat jericho and get out of the web of jericho unfortunately you're there for another five weeks my friend Dueling promos from Sanjay Dutt's crew and the best friends. Danhausen cursed Jarrett's guys for hitting him with a Grammy. It was actually a Golden Globe, but Danhausen doesn't know any better. Yeah, I mean, I don't. How do you feel about this? Program? Are we getting Slapnut Express versus Best Friends? Then is that what we're getting? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. How do you, how do you feel oh, about okay. that? I mean, I would just rather honestly have like a one off match between Danhausen and Jeff Jarrett. I feel like that would be a fucking banger. Let's be honest. I, you know what? Yeah. That that would sell. That would work. I I also okay. like and just Here's hear me out. I also like the idea of Sanjay Dutt being so pissed off at Dan Housen that he comes off the bench. I love that idea. That is pretty good. <laughs> and uh, I still like. They already did the Orange Cassidy J Lethal, but it was fantastic. You can run that back in this program. And how do you do you that? Can run that back at Revolution. Let's yeah, be real. You could you could have Orange Cassidy or the best friends get pinned this week in that match, and then that gives you the uh, agreement to run it back, and we get a. a just a more vicious side of Orange Cassidy in that match against Lethal because he's pissed off at him. Could be yeah, really good. I like it. I like it. I'm I'm fine with this program as long as it ends with Orange Cassidy getting the the big win over you know either Jared. I love the lore of this podcast because if you go back to when Jeff Jarrett first debuted in AEW, I was so upset and I was like, "Is everything's going to shit now that we lost William Regal and all that?" I'm like, ah. But and then now, like, he's one of our favorite things on the show. It's awesome. It's. Uh, he is putting he's making Jay Lethal even better too, which is just awesome. Swerve Strickland with the Mogul affiliates, Parker Boudreaux and Trench, defeated Brian Pillman Jr. Um so after Swerve's promo on Dustin Rhodes last week, Swerve now hates all second generation wrestlers. Pillman sent Swerve to the floor with a drop kick before the show went to commercial. During the split screen, Swerve popped Pillman's knee and began to attack the leg. Uh Pillman carries Swerve. Caught Swerve with a super kick for a near fall. Pillman picks Swerve up for a fireman's carry. Swerve escapes. Catches Pillman with a kick to the knee. Then a kick to the back of the head for a near fall. Commentators keep talking about Swerve working over Pillman's knee for the whole match. But most of that happened during the commercial. Pillman tried to go to the top. But Trench distracted the ref. Boudreaux pulled Pillman off the ropes. Can't blame the ref for getting distracted when looking at Trench though. Let's be honest. Swerve caught Pillman with a Death Valley driver on the ring apron. Then came off the top with a double stomp for the pinfall. After the match, the Mogul affiliates kind of get in a couple whacks on Pillman. Uh, Dustin Rhodes hits the ring, makes the save. Rhodes chased off the heels with a turnbuckle hook. I would have liked to see Trench do something physical. Eh, I mean, they're probably not ready yet, but, you know. Yeah, we've just seen him kind of hold people, like when he held Keith Lee down and, and did all this and that. Again, I think this is one of those programs the Dustin Rhodes thing. He's going to beat Dustin Rhodes. It's going to be pretty badass. It's just one of those programs delaying the Keith Lee thing. Cause they didn't want to, you can't yeah, I just, have... I think back to the CM Punk Dustin Rhodes match, right? Which was one of the better TV matches last year, you know? So, I mean, if, 
if uh if i had considered cm punk that might have been my favorite dynamite match of the year you know what i mean just because it was so well put together you know yeah and again swerve feeling like a million bucks and i know we might sound like a broken record but it's so true the guy just feels like a megastar you know yeah, it's what it's what I said before he turned heel. I was like, I don't know why, but I feel like Evil Swerve. I had I had no idea he was a like notorious heel from the Indies, but like I was just like, I don't know, man. Bad guy Swerve just sounds awesome to me. I don't know why. It just seems like he'd be really good at it. And now you get him with these guys who are just you know fucking badass looking motherfuckers. I mean, they literally look kind of scary. So it's it's a nice. Touch. I, I want him to get back to that. Like, now I don't want him to be kill shot. But remember the expressions on his face in that match that they are Fox we matched or we watched, and how he just looked like evil. I want him to get back to that point. Yes. Uh. So up next, we had this little Malachi Black promo, which unfortunately I kind of forgot one of the lines in it that I thought was really awesome. He clarified what the House of Black really wanted from Eddie Kingston. They didn't want him to join the House of Black. They wanted to prove that he could be corrupted and ruin his friendship with Ortiz. You know, something along the lines of there's there's forgiveness. There's no forgiveness for people like you and me, Eddie. It just it was a really good vignette, really good promo. They're letting Malachi Black and the House of Black do what they want, and I love it so much. I am team, let's get House of Black the elite at Revolution. I am on that, I am on that pickle. So I know, I know you like this promo too. Oh, dude, I, I, I have it pulled up. If you want me to just read it, yeah, I think go this for is it. Go for it. Actually, what he said. I think this might actually be what he said. Uh, this is from ComicBook.com. So if it's wrong, it's on them. Um, what has become of us? What have you all done? Have you abandoned your faith this quickly? You have us burning at the stake so soon, clinging like children to this new world, afraid to abandon it. New, co- new, Now come the ways of old. Now comes the worship of death. All must end so that all can suffer anew. And that's just one line. Like, that might have been something he tweeted even, but like still, like, I don't care. That shit's nuts. Like, oh my God. No, yeah, he just tweeted the video out. Yeah, so that, and it went on from there, obviously, into different shit. But like that is just a hell of a line right there. Like, goddamn, it it really is. I, I even if that's from like six months ago, that's the vibe we're talking about. It but was you just do really. Remember good. when we weren't sure if he was coming back, and then he clarified that he is. No, and he just let's he needed be to get clear. some help. When the wrestling news cycle again got it wrong and yep, claimed that exactly. he was going back to his wife because they had marital issues or something like that which I don't think was the case. I think he was just having some personal issues that he had to deal with. I think is what he clarified. I don't know if it was what people were saying, but it's like they took some information that they got from somebody who clearly didn't know and ran with it. And everyone thought we were losing Malachi Black because of it. And it was at a time when there was a lot of people heading back to the WWE. So I think what was happening there with like him and Andrade was that they were trying to manifest that shit happening for those two guys coming back when they both had other things going on, you know? Yeah. And one of them clearly sees the opportunity to try and get out of his contract and then Andrade. I'm, so, I'm not trying to bury the guy. It's just what it seems like happens since we haven't seen him since, you know? Um, and Malachi was just doing his own thing. Um, that shit still pisses me off. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I will never defend the IWC slash the internet, like, wrestling databases out there that exist that try and report all this fucking news. Because they don't fucking actually get it right half the time. And then they just pretend like it's, oh, it's it's the dirt sheets, brother. You just never know. It's like, actually, you probably do know half the time. You just don't care. Yeah, very true. 
So up next, we had Soraya and Tony Storm taking on a defeating the Renegade like, Twins. Imagine if the actual news was wrong as frequently, and not like wrong in the way that the news is, but like wrong directly by just misreporting actual <laughs> information directly to just get the fucking news. I guess the news does actually do jump that, in the gun, I mean, man. Yeah, it's people jumping the gun, but, not getting all the facts like, right. There's no such thing as a retraction when it comes to wrestling news. I've never seen it once. Yeah, it's very true. That is a. Uh... Yeah, they, they botched that whole thing. That was something, yeah, I was not a fan of all that. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, the Renegade twins here with Soraya and Tony Storm. I mean, Robin Renegade, seriously, she has had such a good week. Whether it was on YouTube in the NWA Power, where she was in the, uh, the big match there, the final team war, you know, she, Robin Renegade is so fucking good. And her sister is not, it's not comparing her to her sister. I'm just saying, Robin Renegade. Seriously, it, there was moments in this match where, whether it was the punches or the chops, I'm like, I even messaged you when I saw it. I was like, dude, I think she could teach a fucking class in how to do this. I mean, she seriously is so good at the little things already, and that comes from the reps she's been getting, the training she's been getting. I I I can't say this enough. I, I feel like I've said it for a year. You gotta sign these girls. Because now, now they're starting to show up everywhere. And that next step means we're going to see them in the next NXT class. And it's like, you know, good for them. I mean, I still, I'll, I'll be happy for them when it happens. But don't let that happen, man. These girls are fucking fantastic. And I think, I think Tony knows that. My prediction is that um, it's going to be the biggest miss of AEW. It's going to be the Renegades. I really fucking hope not, man. Like they'll go on to be like the best. Like, remember the vibe the Iconics had? Like, where they were just like they weren't the best team, but they were super well liked, and then end up winning a championship because of it. Yep, I think it could be like that in terms of like the energy that they brought. Because I feel like these girls have personality too, and we just haven't seen it. They do, and and I watched the I watched one of Thunder Rose's vlogs where she brought them in, and it was just they're so likable too, and they love wrestling. We've seen we didn't we didn't see them for four months in AEW, and then we've seen them three times already in 2023, including matches against Ray and Tony Storm and Britt Baker and Jamie Hader on Rampage. Tony, baby, I, I if they if they haven't locked it down, they need to, and it, it feels good to be right about sometimes. Like we we knew that these girls were only going to get better, and here we are a year later, and. You know, now we're starting to see people talk about how good they are. And it's like, yes, they've, these are the girls that you, you need to bring in. And I hope they don't miss that being said, Tony Storm's hip attacks, insane. The painting of the L on the renegade twin stomachs after the match was an interesting little touch. I'm curious where they go with that, but yeah. Any other notes you had from this one, from the, uh, the tag match we had here? Um, yeah, I think that was just a misfire on a gimmick they were trying to start with those two. I think they were going to probably start doing that to everybody, and it's, I feel like it's just not bad. <laughs> Whatever, you know, like. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, they... I saw somebody complain at Soraya that she didn't do enough in this match, and I'm like, what are you expecting, dude? Like, yeah. Yeah, they're I... heels right now. Like, they're not going to wrestle, like, banger matches right now. It's not what really with heels that are super good at wrestling do. That's the point. It's when you're When you're super over as a wrestler... Because your moveset is super over. When you're a heel, you can't use that as much because the crowd will start getting behind you like you're a baby face. 
whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah no, they, they beat the, they beat the piss out of them. Piss missile. Uh, but yeah, that's something to uh, that'll be fun to follow. I think. Uh, I really hope we're talking in two weeks on how they've they've inked them down. They've inked them, Billy Starks and Tony Deppin down. So that'd be nice. That'd be a nice uh, thing there. Adam Cole promo teasing his return at Revolution, and then our main event, which honestly kind of felt like a wet fart. Uh, Roosh and uh, Christopher Daniels. Yeah, uh, they advertised on- Honor Club a lot. This was basically just an advertisement for Ring of Honor, and I just think these guys didn't have it together, unfortunately. And yeah, I think Christopher Daniels. I think this isn't the first time we've said this either with TV matches that he's had. The best TV match that he's had in like the last year and a half probably was the one he had with Danielson. Danielson, the Ring yeah. of Honor purchase. Um, and that was a really short match. It was like ten minutes or something. So like you know. My thought is, uh, he's just on the back half of his career. If you go back to early, Which I'm, I'm fine with Daniels, that. Like, hey, good on him, but geez, yeah, he's man. still going. He could, you know, I think the role they have him in on dark now, I every now and then I'll complain, like, I wish they were using this guy more. And then this happens, and I'm like, okay, I understand now. Maybe the, what they have him doing on dark is the best for him right now. I don't know. I would like to see him at the Ring of Honor show, though, maybe because he was. I mean, this did feel like Ring of Honor is like the the match we would have on Ring of Honor Weekly TV right now, right? Would have been a match like this probably, right? Yeah, and we're going to be getting that weekly uh, AW or weekly ROH not that long from now. So that'll be interesting to uh, to follow. But yeah, this uh, both dark main events this week were better than this Rampage main event. And take that information with what you will. Um but yeah, that that'll be it for uh, Dynamite and Rampage. Real quick, let's preview next week and uh, just give me fire thoughts on who you got winning these matches. All right? Okay. Ricky Starks in the Gauntlet match. You got him winning it. I mean, I would, I would think he has to, right? Brian Danielson versus Roosh. Danielson, obviously. The Acclaim versus the Guns. Uh, I got Acclaim retaining. So that's a tag team championship match, a trios championship match, the elite versus AR Fox and top flight. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like top flight and AR Fox is just not their time yet. Not their time. Title eliminator match. Jamie Hader versus the bunny. I mean, you know what? I think the bunny could actually win that. I think that'd be a fun twist if she did. And then title eliminator match. MJF versus Konosuke Takeshita. I'm manifesting it. I want Takeshita to win. I want Takeshita to win. I, I I think there's a chance they do it too. Not even kidding. I, I think there's a definitely really... more likely than the bunny for sure, which is not saying yeah. the bunny couldn't win. I think what could happen since they put two eliminators on, maybe one of them will lose and one of them will win. Maybe. Maybe they'll decide on the day of. Yeah. Hey, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. So that'll be it for us guys. That was uh, the preview for next week. Again, uh, let's uh, let's go sign uh, the Renegades and Billy Starks. I'm gonna I'm gonna manifest that. And Yuka Sakazaki joining the Dark Order. I'm cool with that too. Fun week of wrestling. Uh, we went about yeah an hour and forty plus minutes, so uh, we filled out the show. And we'll be back next week talking about Takeshita getting his match with uh, MJF for the World Championship. So hell, catch yeah. you guys on the flip side, Vision. Daniel Garcia. Thank you.